My name is Mitchell, and I'm here to say we're going to talk about games in an auditory way. Welcome to Season 3 of the Super Jump Podcast! Man, I peaked my audio so bad right there, but I'm excited because it's the beginning of our third adventure together, and we have so many good times and, and good games in front of us. I'm here, as always, with my forever co-host, editor-in-chief of Super Jump Podcast, James Burns. Hey, James, hey. how's it going? It's going great. I'm excited. I called you the editor-in-chief of the Super Jump Podcast, and I just want to make sure I don't <laughs> let that run. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Super Jump Podcast. <laughs> You're the editor-in-chief of the Super Jump Magazine. That other laugh that you heard in the background, well, that's a new friend. Please welcome Wyatt Donegan. How's it going, everybody? I, uh, I'm glad to be here. We've been trying to get me on here for a long time, and now I'm finally here, and I'm ready to talk some great games. Yeah, we, uh, I mean, what better time to introduce a new cast member than the beginning of a new season? Netflix has taught me that that's how that works. <laughs> um, you can't just do it in the middle, uh, unless you're, you're Daredevil Season 2, but that's just a bad show, and Super Jump Podcast is sometimes a bad show, but I don't really want it to be, so we're not taking advice from other bad shows. This is the only podcast where you get information on video games, Hot topics, newsy nibbles, playtime and some report, playtime reports. Um, but really, all of those are just about video games, so it's kind of singularly focused. I might have oversold it there with the number of different <laughs> ways we have to talk about video games. We have so many new video games that we've been playing in the meantime. We have uh, a lot of demos, a lot of expansions, a lot of older games. Um, we have a brilliant uh, segment for our newsy nibble. Sometimes we need to kind of make some stuff up or make some stuff seem more important than it is, but I don't think it's easy to argue that the recent Nintendo Direct wasn't important. And for our hot topic, why not just ask a bunch of questions to our our current co-host? So why <laughs> that's that hot topic's going to be all about you. And we have a few extra little surprises mixed in along the show. But let me tell you about something. And I want to I want to ask for advice. Uh, this is not related to our show notes. I didn't put it in there because I, w I want you to take this news kind of how it is and just how I explain it. Here's the deal in my life. Uh, and you guys can share deals with your lives as well. But in my life, every time I've eaten a meal within the last two or three weeks, I've had to go to the bathroom almost immediately after. <laughs> is that medically okay? Am I making a big deal out of nothing? Or do I secretly have cancer? And the internet has given me both of those answers. So I feel like I need to ask like real humans about it. So what are, what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, first of all, congratulations on introducing our new secret segment. Uh, amateur diagnoses <laughs> by by the super jump team. <laughs> um, oh look, Mitchell, there's definitely something wrong. There's something wrong there. Uh, oh really? <laughs> yeah. I just That's mean bad? in general. Like, really? I, I just mean in oh, general. Okay. Actually, okay. what concerns me more, like not to change the topic, but what concerns me more is your penchant for getting um, electrocuted frequently. That has been concerning me a lot more. Oh, yeah, Wyatt. Um, I have a CRT television <laughs> next to my computer on my desk that I, I sometimes uh, listen to music with headphones on from my computer while I play uh, like an older video game on this, uh, the CRT television. The mm -hmm. thing with CRT televisions is that they pull up a lot of static electricity along the screen, 
a, oh, uh, about yeah. a month ago, I zapped my hand. It went through oh my, my body, through my earphones, and grounded itself in my microphone. I had to replace the microphone. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just Yikes. from a little static, a little zip, static shock. Uh, can you tell? We haven't done an episode of this podcast in a month. But it got, uh, <laughs> it got weirder, it, it got weirder though, because I, I heard a rumor, Mitchell, um, somewhere that, that you got electrocuted by a ham sandwich recently. Like, didn't it, didn't it just start to, to happen with non-electrical objects as well? So, <laughs> I, I can't tell if you're trying to make up something that's almost true. Or if you are remembering something that is true, but got a detail of it wrong. It wasn't a ham sandwich. I'm trying to go viral. I, <laughs> I, uh, I was at a fast food establishment, and I poured myself a glass of Coke uh, in a paper cup. The Coke liquid itself, the soda itself, it wasn't just like a carbonated bubble. It did give me a static shock to my face. Um, that Lord. is not something so I you thought just, could happen with liquids. You're like static shock now, or something. You just got yeah. just electricity <laughs> running all through your body. Yeah, that's right. That's your new superpower. But you don't shock bad guys. You get shocked by everything. Yeah, it's like a like a stupor power. It's just a yeah. just a. You just really you just bad... have to learn how to channel it. Like when it happens, you have to learn how to just like center yourself <laughs> and then blast it out towards someone else. Yeah, that's right. Oh man, well we this is a good shows. podcast, uh, <laughs> and every good podcast has segments. Our first segment is called the Playtime Report. Playtime Report is, of course, the segment of the show where we talk about the games that we've been playing since the last episode of the show. Uh, this is why it's first episode of the show, so he won't follow that rule as strictly. Um, but I thought, why why don't you go first? Uh, just talk about any one thing, and we'll kind of just bounce between us as we go through our lists. Sure, sounds good. Um, so lately, uh, since Destiny 2 Forsaken came out on the 4th, so about 11 days ago, I've basically been playing that. Almost nonstop. Uh, if I'm awake, I'm probably playing that. Uh, I mean, I, I I do my job as well. You know, I'm a writer, so I do that. Uh, I make time for that as well. But definitely been playing a lot of Destiny too. <laughs> you I'd make time probably, for your job. I make time for the job, but you know, the the main meat of the of my days now it's got to be Destiny too. Sure. Like, I think yeah. I probably put in maybe 50, 60 hours, if not more. And probably more, honestly, since the game came out. Uh, when was that? Been, when was the release? It came out on the fourth, um, so in eleven okay. days. That's a respectful. That's a respectable amount of time. Mm. Yeah, it's it's been fun. It's been incredible. Like finally having, because I mean, I was a big Destiny player uh, back when the first one was out on console. Um, now I've I'm played the PC version now, but it's nice to kind of have that grind back, have that hobby back, and really just kind of sink myself into trying to pick up all of the all the great loot and all that kind of stuff and that's not even i haven't even touched the raid yet that came out yesterday because that thing is a complete beast but uh mm. yeah it's been it's been amazing would you usually consider yourself a uh the kind of gamer or game player if you don't like the word uh that would play one game regularly for a while or is this more of an abnormal uh abnormality for you to play one game for a very long time uh it's only been with Destiny, honestly, where hmm. I've like kind of just played that game and that game alone for like a long stretch of time. Usually I do kind of bounce around 
to different games, just, you know, whatever is kind of new and fresh. Uh, but back when Destiny was out, like in its heyday a couple of years ago, I would play that, you know, I'd go to work, come home, play it, go to sleep, wake up, play it again, go to work and just kind of continue that cycle um, for, for a few months. Uh, and so that's kind of, I've picked that back up too with Destiny, uh, with Destiny 2 now that it's kind of in a better spot. But, uh, but usually before that, yeah, I would kind of bounce around to whatever's out. Like if not for Destiny, I would, I would certainly be playing Spider-Man right now because that game looks incredible. Absolutely. Um, I, yeah. I definitely, I, I got to get around to that at some point soon because it looks like a ton of fun. Well, Wyatt's quickly establishing himself as the king of podcasts because of that fantastic segue he just did james you've been playing spider-man <laughs> I, have, I have indeed I, I reckon i'm about um oh, maybe about five four or five hours in so far um and it's it's pretty much exactly what i expected from insomniac games like it's it's every bit as good as i hoped it would be um i'm i was gonna say surprised not really surprised um the production value is absolutely incredible especially around voice acting and animation and attention to detail. Um, I was actually thinking as I was playing it last night, it's reminding me at times of like some of the best work that Naughty Dog have done, which I think is probably one of the highest compliments I can give a video game. Um, They they seem to have some sort of rivalry, right? They've been going even back to Crash and Spyro. Those have always been similar similar companies in some ways i I like that they they seem to have uh, grown up alongside each other yeah and i feel like they're both companies that that are kind of pushing things forward all the time especially around narrative and characterization um and that side of spider-man is absolutely incredible um and it's it's um like the emotional connection with the characters is actually better than i thought it would be um that's but what I'm think, hearing. Yeah, it's it's and again I'm not really sure what I expected. Like I'm I'm a fan of the movies. I've never really read the comics. I wouldn't say that I'm like at all an expert on kind of the Marvel universe or anything like that. I know there are going to be a ton of references that other people will get straight away that I will have no idea about. Um and it does seem that the story here is sort of reasonably self-contained it's um like it's referencing the movies but it's kind of seems to be its own thing its own distinct thing which i think is great if you are like me and you kind of don't know all those lore references um but i think that the two things they really nail the two most important parts of the game are the actual movement and traversal around manhattan and the combat and I think they've nailed both. Like it just, I mean, you've probably read this a million times. It just feels really good to move around and it's really, really seamless. Um, and and I, I think Insomniac learned a lot from making Sunset Overdrive. I can kind of see some of that Sunset Overdrive DNA here from a technology perspective. Just like um, how much he, um, like how tricky he is, how you can do tricks and stuff. Is that the... The connection it, the way, yeah like the way i describe it is um it looks really really advanced and crazy like when you're watching videos of someone moving around the city it, it just looks incredible the really cool thing about it is you don't need a very high skill level to jump in and kind of basically move around pretty seamlessly but if you're an advanced player 
you've got a lot of options open to you in terms of doing some crazy stuff, you know, like both in terms of combat moves and traversal around the city. Um, so it's, it's really friendly to get into, but there's a hell of a lot to uncover and unlock as you go. Um, and it's just incredibly seamless. Like, I mean, I haven't noticed any performance issues or, you know, anything sort of popping in right in front of me. And yet you're going through this massive, massive city. There's traffic on the streets. There are pedestrians everywhere. Um, it's just incredibly rich and detailed. It's really beautiful. That's that's really exciting. For a, a long time now, my... Uh, by the way, if you haven't been listening to the show, if this is maybe your first episode or whatever, I really like Banjo-Kazooie, probably my favorite game series. <laughs> Insomniac is my pick uh, to do a third Banjo game. That would, I think, be the best fit, if it's not going to be the original developers themselves. Mm. Um but not speaking of any of that, that's another fun segue you can use, not speaking. It just makes everything true. Uh, not speaking of that, last episode, in the season finale, or our second season finale, I gave James a little bit of a hard time, a fake hard time, it's all show business here, folks, about playing a bunch of 3DS games. And now I have a 3DS game on my list, so I guess that's joke's on me. Um, friend of the show, I believe a listener, if unless he dropped off. Hey, Tony. Uh, Tony gave me a code for Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix. Not because he has any vested interest in people playing the game. He just really likes it. And uh, he's excited about the possibility of a Rhythm Heaven character getting in Smash Brothers. I was saying, like, I just don't, I just don't know what that, I don't know what that'd be. I don't know what that looks like. And he's like, fine, you just play Rhythm Heaven. I played Rhythm Heaven. And uh, it's it's pretty fun. I I was the very pleasantly surprised with how easy it is to play the game uh, with my eyes closed. Have you guys played this series before? I haven't, no. No, I've never played it. Is it is this this particular game you're talking about is how new is this? So Rhythm Heaven Megamix, I, I think there's like a weird division between when it actually came out and then when it mm. came out in the West. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I'm pretty sure it came out. It was a shadow drop uh, in the West during E3 2016. Yeah. Uh, pretty sure. So So two years old. It's a game about helping an angel uh, return to heaven. And you just gotta play a, really, a lot of really dumb rhythm games in order to make that happen. And all of the games are easily completable. You don't need that much of a sense of rhythm. But sometimes they would get a little bit more difficult. And I would close my eyes, only play with the auditory clues. And then I would do much, much better. I think that's so cool. It's a game you play with your ears so much more than with your eyes. Um, yeah. You don't need to cool. usually tap like a, a certain part of the screen or press a certain like one button versus another. It's almost always just the A button at a certain time. And mm-hmm. if you're listening to the, the clues, you will get it right. There's there's nothing you ever need to watch out for, for with your eyes. So that's cool. Um, it's, it's a pretty fun little diversion. It didn't take very long to get through it. Uh, I would recommend it. Now, in, in another uh, really fun game 
that both of you have picked. And this is maybe, uh, we don't do this very often where we've played the same game. Uh, James and Y, you've both played Overcooked 2. What's that about? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I know what, oh, people know what Overcooked is about. We know what it's about. You make you make the food. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you make food. Um, so yeah. I I'd seen a few pl- uh, few people like streaming on Twitch, and I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was hanging out with some friends a few weeks ago, and one of my friends was like, oh man, like I've heard about this Overcooked game. Like, let's get it. I was like, yeah, sure, let's play it. Let's check it out. Um, so we played it. And it's incredibly addicting and frustrating and like <laughs> fulfilling it all at the same time. Cause you know, you've got four different, you can play up to four players. Um, everybody has to do something different and you've got to make sushi. You have to, you know, cook the rice, put the rice on the plate, put it in a steamer, you know, cut the cucumbers, cut the meat. So there's a lot of stuff happening. And if one person isn't doing their job, you're like, hey, like, what are you doing? Like, go, like, cut cut the cucumbers, you know? So it's like, it gets very, very intense. Um, yeah. But it's really, it's really, really fun. It reminds me if, like, it reminds me of a Mario Party minigame that was just expanded and given a lot more depth. Um, but it has the same level of fervency and the same level of, of panic as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes me not want to play it at all because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's stressful. stressful. Then, it like when it gets under ten seconds, the music speeds yeah. up really fast, so it makes you feel really stressed out. It's yeah, it's yeah. it's a lot. It's it's I like, can imagine it's it an being interesting really fun social at a party. experiment. Like it it'll test your relationships <laughs> with other people because like one minute it really well yeah like one minute you're all laughing and then the next minute three people will be yelling at one person like clean the dishes we don't have any more plates they're all dirty hurry up. Like it's it's really <laughs> high pressure, and in the sequel in Overcooked Two, they've added um, a couple of small things that make it that much more insane. Um, one of them is really really simple, where if you're holding something in your hand, um, like say you're holding food in your hands, you can actually throw it now. You couldn't do that in the original, so you can throw it onto like a a counter or something on the other side of the kitchen that's always handy but what you can also do is throw it at someone and they will automatically catch it so they could be they could be holding i didn't even know that (laughs) yeah it's so crazy because they could be like walking to serve like a um, a pot of rice that's just been cooked boiling hot rice and you'll just like throw some fish at them they'll drop the pot and grab the fish and they get so confused. They're like, what the hell just happened? Where did the rice go? What do I do with the fish? Oh, my God. So it's like the good thing is even if you fail, even if you completely fail a level, it's so much fun. Like it's so hectic. Um, yeah. But the only thing is you, you've you probably got to play it in fairly small bursts. Like I I don't think my, my stress levels could handle a long overcooked two session. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Cuz it's a, it's a lot. Like it's you have to be on like completely the entire round and yeah, it's just get and if one person gets stressed cuz my wife she gets stressed out really easily so when we're playing she's like, "Guys, wait, hold on. What am I supposed to be doing?" So it's <laughs> it's a it's a fun time. So, um I've also been playing Hollow Knight Godmaster, which is the most recent expansion to Hollow Knight. I wrote a review for Super Jump magazine of Hollow Knight. I was very, very positive. Um, I, I think it, it showed that it's become one of my favorite games. Uh, it's just really been great. I don't like Godmaster almost at all. Um, 
I I don't want to be a negative Nancy. I think this is a great expansion for people that needed an insane amount of difficulty added to this game, which does not strike me as a legitimate possibility. The game is very hard already. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the hardest thing in the game prior to this was a boss battle that they added in a previous content update. It's optional. It's not the final battle of the game. It just is a thing you can do. And this update adds like three or four other boss battles at around the same level of difficulty that you need to fight at the end of a boss rush where you need to defeat nine other bosses that are all made more difficult than when you originally fought them in a row before that boss. Um, it is an absolutely insane thing to ask your player to do. I I can't get over how like different from the base game that this expansion is. Uh, every, all of the reasons I really, really love Hollow Knight aren't exactly featured in this expansion. And there's... Like, previously, Hollow Knight was a game that you could speedrun, and you could explore for extra hidden goodies and stuff, and you could 100% complete. All of those things were fun. All of them. Um, And now, one of those modes is taken out. You can no longer 100% of the game, you can no longer 100% the game while it's still being a good experience for, like, I would assume 98-99% of players. Mm. The number of players that are mm. going to finish Godmaster is so, so low. And yeah. that wasn't the kind of game this was before. It's it's really interesting. I don't know if I've ever had... An, I've never had an experience where an expansion to the game that's purely additive can actually diminish... I mean, slightly. It's still a great game, but it, I do think it diminishes the quality of this game a little bit. I I don't know if you've played this, um, but but what do you, what do you think about that? Just it's just an expansion, but I really do think it's kind of getting in the way of itself. Yeah, I, yeah. I, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say I I um I've noticed this trend with with a couple of games where they're really kind of leaning into that extreme difficulty aspect, and I know that there's you know, as you're saying, there's there's probably a small percentage of people who are really keen on that and that's their thing. And, you know, they've perfected every other part of the game, but I, I personally don't really get it. Um, it it happened a little bit with the dark souls series as well, where it sort of progressively got more and more difficult to the point where, um, you know, I think a lot of what people love about those games is not necessarily the difficulty even though that's something they're known for um you know i think there are other things that are that are probably more valuable to explore um yeah so i mm-hmm. mean i love I, I i'm really loving hollow knight i'm i'm right into it now and i'm playing through it and i can't see myself wanting to play this dlc Yeah, it's it's just seems odd to me that, you know, like an expansion would kind of do so much to detract from the original game cuz, you know, like I was talking about Destiny earlier, but like, you know, this Forsaken, this is the big expansion and it's added a bunch of stuff and it's and it's changed the game for the better. And that's what you think about when you think of an expansion. So for a game like Hollow Knight that I haven't played, but I've heard a lot of great things about it. 
and for it to kind of come out with an expansion that really takes away you know like a whole aspect of the game just seems like a really weird um design and even just marketing uh standpoint because how are you gonna if you got people you know writing reviews or saying like hey this is really hard now you may not like this it's you know like where are you gonna get the positive press from yeah i was considering writing a review of godmaster itself but i i um i still might i'm not gonna say i won't um but it's you know it would be it would be like a pretty weird case of tonal whiplash because right before i came or right before godmaster came out i put out the review that was just glowing and now i have to say oh this experience that was added to it not as good um yeah it's it's fine it's largely fine because you can ignore it and you can get 100 percent without it but you can't get 112 percent which is the new actual cap (laughs) Uh, before Godmaster came out, it was 107. And you could get 107 in an understandable amount of effort. It was incredibly hard still. It was still very, very hard. There were parts of that 107 percentage that already, like, flirted with how difficult you should make a game. Well, I shouldn't say that. Games should be for all kinds of people. For people that really, really need hard, 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 hard games, there are those kinds of games. But Hollow Knight didn't start out that way, and it had become that way, uh, which is which is strange. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything else to say about it, um, so that's just kind of how it is. Here's here's another uh, hard game. Why? You're playing Dead Cells? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How's that going? Uh, it's been pretty fun. You know, I had heard when it came out, I don't know if it was when it officially came out or for if the switch release was separate but um i remember hearing a lot of people talk about the switch release for it um and saying how you know this was a really cool game and you know and then my friend one of my buddies he's always kind of recommending new games to me and he was like it's roguelike it's like metroidvania it's like a metroidvania style um and it's roguelike and i was like that sounds pretty amazing because i love roguelike kind of games um and like the metroidvania style is pretty fun so i picked it up and it's really good it's very addicting you know it's it's really hard it's punishing because it's it's kind of like a dark souls-esque situation where you have to complete like an entire level or an entire section uh or you have to start all the way over although i guess it kind of goes one further than dark souls because whereas dark souls is you know you have to fight that particular level without dying and then you can like checkpoint in advance this one you have to get from point a to z like to the very end of the your run without dying so i've only gotten i think maybe halfway through so far because it's just so hard but as you go you unlock new weapons and and all that so you kind of can build on your experience but it's really fun it sounds really fun would someone would you say that someone who doesn't like the randomness in most roguelikes would they like dead cells because I'm, I'm talking, this is me. I'm not yeah. necessarily into that random generation of maps. Um, I, I would say so, because even though it, it is a roguelike and you do have a certain level of random, randomization, it's really only, you know, like, instead of going left at this one place, you'll go right. But, like, each section, like, you go to the same maps for the most part. Um, you know, there's, like, a sewer map. There's a map on the roof. So you're going to the same maps. It's just the enemy layout will be slightly different um, on any given run. So you won't run into like the same 
like spread out nature of the enemies you'll get the same types of enemies so you can kind of learn how to fight around them but they'll just kind of be laid out a little bit differently so if you go into a room like you know there might only be two here but then another like three in this section and there might just be you know a different multi-leveled area uh, but for the most part, it, it's not a kind of roguelike where every time you have no idea what's happening, where it's completely changed every run. So there's a lot of similarities between each run. So you can kind of mold your, your run around it because you're like, okay, I don't like this level, so like I'm going to go to this other level. So you can kind of plan around it. So it's less random in that sense, I think. Interesting. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's. We just have a few more Playtime Report. Um James, Shenmue 2. Better or worse than Shenmue 1? <laughs> um, oh, hard to say. Better in some ways. Um, I'm actually I'm approaching this a bit weirdly because I'm playing, I'm playing Shenmue 2 and Daniel Ware, uh, one of our other awesome writers, is playing the first one, the first game. Uh, and we're going to attempt to do a bit of a joint review of both. Oh, cool. Um, and it's been it's been interesting because like I remember Shenmue from the Dreamcast days, and you know I um, playing it on Dreamcast, it was like way more advanced than any other game at the time, and you know it had this realistic weather and time, and you could get a job, and it everything seemed really novel and interesting, um, <clears throat> and I was really curious to see like how it would stack up now. Cause I haven't played a Shenmue game in a long, long time. And it definitely still has some of that magic. Um, but man, even in an HD, even in HD remaster form, it, it really shows its age. And I, I, I feel like there was an opportunity here without completely changing the game. Like, you know, without doing a complete remake from the ground up, there were probably a couple of things that they could have done to just smooth out the experience a little bit. Um, so like, for example, and, and the second game does this better than the first, but you know, you're, you're always on this kind of um, like, there's, there's a concept of in-game time and I'm not sure what it is, but it'll be like, you know, an hour of in-game time for every 10 minutes or 15 minutes in the real world. And there are certain events, certain characters you have to meet at different times of the day and on different days of the week. And in the first game, there's no fast travel concept at all. So you literally have to wait. Um, and you have to, just as you would in real life, you have to like keep yourself busy until those moments happen. And if it's something that's particularly far away, you've you've literally kind of got to wander around and, you know, you might go and spend some money and play games at an arcade. You know, um, later in the game, you're doing a job every day, so that kind of helps. Um, but you, you kind of have to find ways to pass the time on your own. And that's just such a a non-concept in, in that sounds games. rough man it's it's really <laughs> yeah that's, that sounds painful it's really rough and it's just funny to me how at the time i didn't really think anything of it i'm like oh yeah this is cool this is so realistic and now i'm just like tapping buttons and i'm like come on man i want to get to the next thing i don't have any patience 
Um, I wondered what it is about that description of the game that sounds fundamentally worse than something like Animal Crossing that does that same thing, but I do know that in that case, I enjoy it. I like. It seems like there's something splitting those experiences. Yeah, and maybe it's because... I mean, there are a lot of things you can do in Shenmue, and I think one of the things it's most famous for is, you know, you can go to... Um, game arcades and play like real Sega arcade games which is really really cool and really fun Um, but there's not a whole lot of other stuff you can do to keep yourself busy whereas I think in Animal Crossing you know you can kind of set your own goals around things whether it's you know planting a garden or finding a specific type of item or you know selling something or whatever it might be you can kind of set your own mini goals to keep yourself going. And and Shenmue doesn't really have that concept. It's much more of a an experience that's driven by this central narrative. Um, so it's, as I've been playing it, I've been thinking, who would play this game now in 2018 other than either A, someone who loved the original and feels really nostalgic and wants to play it again, or B, someone who is maybe playing the Yakuza series now and they kind of want to get a bit of a history lesson on where it came from. Um, Hmm. And that's probably about it because even the controls, like they haven't updated the controls. And man, the the controls make you want to throw your controller across the room. Um, That They're really not great. They're like an awkward version of Resident Evil tank controls. Um, and you can... I don't even know how to describe them. Like, you can you can run by holding one of the shoulder buttons down. But the way that you run, it's kind of like you're really drunk. There's there's no precision <laughs> to your... To changing directions. So I'm, Great. I'm like... <laughs> I'm really not selling this awesome. game. But, um, you're really <laughs> super not. I'm really not. Yeah, you're basically you're really turning me off for sure. <laughs> yeah, I definitely do not want to play this game. <laughs> and it's so it's probably honestly it's probably something you better um, you're better watching a video of it or something rather than actually playing it. Um, you know, unless you're that really specific audience, I don't think it's something most people are going to want to pick up at this stage. Awesome. <laughs> can't, can't wait for the number three. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, Super Mario RPG is another game I've been playing. Uh, the second in the series of people have been telling me this character will probably get in Smash and I don't believe them. Um, whereas my experience with Rhythm Heaven was like, I would love a Rhythm Heaven character in Smash now. This is fantastic. My experiment experience was with a uh, super mario rp3 i i rpg i played it when i was like six years old this is the first time since then though so it's been a really long time mm-hmm. um people want gino in smash brothers who is a party member in this game and i think he i don't i think that's absolutely insane i think that is buck <laughs> wild uh gino is like the fifth most important character out of the five characters in this game and this is just one of the 10 Mario RPGs that exist. That is such a pull. I don't know why he's so expected. I don't know why he's so demanded. Like, it's it's crazy. 
I mean, the game's great. I, I just also... A side note, I like the game a lot. Uh, it's fun to see where a lot of the tonal stuff from Paper Mario and Mario and Luigi come from. I think of Mario RPG because it's Square Enix owned in a weird way. Uh, and it, it's unable to be continued on its own story, like in its own plot. Mm. I think of it as a very isolated experience. But it, as I'm playing it now, I'm noticing... Hey, there's so many things like specific musical cues and uh, art styles that carry on to Paper Mario, Mario and Luigi, even some like Mario plus Rabbids. There was some stuff in there that like was reminiscent of Mario RPG, uh, mm. and it's going by so fast. I didn't. I I like the the later games, the later Mario RPGs are pretty much full-length rpgs whether or not their scope is actually as large as like maybe a contemporary final fantasy of course they're not that big um but M super mario rpg it is going by like that man it's so quick um it's it's just it's weird to play an rpg where it's just like it's so fast it, it, it's pushing all the time it's pushing forward straight forward uh it, it's it's almost exhausting just like how quickly I'm throwing away an entire area of the map to move to the next one. Uh, mm. So so that's interesting. Do you play this game uh, like when it when it was newer when it came out? I think I played it. Like I I feel like I remember renting it from Blockbuster mm, back in yeah. the day. Like I mean that that dates kind of how long ago that game came out. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, it's 1996, and, uh, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. So I I feel like I remember like renting it, and because I was young, I was just kind of like, "Hey, this is Mario. Let's try this." And then, but because it was an RPG, and I was just like, uh, "I don't know what to do. This is well, why can't I jump around like in a normal Mario?" And then I probably just like took it back and never really looked back <laughs> at that franchise. Like I've heard they're really good games, but I've just never really kind of had the desire to go back and check them out. I, I think the best the Mario RPGs have been was on the GameCube with Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door. Uh, that's my personal favorite. A lot of people like this one the best, though. Um, and I'm wondering how much of that is nostalgia and how much of that is just, like... There's something to be said for an RPG that goes this fast and the beginning to the end is just, like, really, really quick. Um, that's pretty rare for an RPG. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You ever play it, James? Uh... We it never came out in Australia. Um, oh wow! Well, yeah, until well, until the um, the SNES Mini. Until then, um, we we never got it here. So I think I played it years ago, briefly on an emulator. I played a little bit of it, and what I played, I really enjoyed. Um, I can see what you mean around um, like the writing and the humor. That the style of humor seems to have been retained even in the other Mario RPG games that came later that were made by Nintendo or by Intelligent Systems. Um, and but, but I never finished it. I only played a little bit of it. Um, so at, at some stage, you know, in a million years, when I, <laughs> when I get through my backlog, which probably will never happen, I'll, I'll probably jump into it again. But I have to say, I'm still hung up on the Geno thing. I'm I'm amazed that <laughs> I'm amazed that that's a thing. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how much. I feel like that yeah. is at this point because they brought so many characters into Smash Ultimate. Everyone's just 
like digging into the banks of Nintendo lore and just like, hmm, what's the farthest out there character we can yeah. try and yeah. like say is going to be in this game? <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> I, I see what you're meaning because uh, we we got Ridley, who was the like one of the most asked for characters for a long time. We got Inkling, who is the current All Star. Uh, K. Rule, who really was right behind Ridley. And was the main bad guy in, like, all of the classic Donkey Kong games. And Simon Belmont, who was a huge third-party icon for Nintendo when uh, so many of the other third parties were less than in in terms of game design. So, with those in it, like, yeah, you're, like, who... who, Someone out there is saying, like, Gino is the obvious obvious next (laughs) character. I'm not lying. A good amount of people are saying that. Look on look on Smashboards, look on like any Smash Brothers uh speculation website. Gino is a popular prediction. Um and I, I think the gist of it is that around Melee in two thousand one, after the game came out, Sakurai did some sort of blog post or QA or something, and he said, I was considering Gino. Um, but because he was owned by Square Enix, it was impossible. So a lot of people, as soon as the uh, third-party characters became a thing in Smash Brothers, people were thinking, well, just talk to Square Enix, get Gino. Uh, and I think because they thought it was possible that it that he wanted to do it at one point, they latched, they latched on to that idea and have put themselves in a bit of an echo chamber. Which is so interesting. It's fascinating that that happens. Because, um, like, wow. <laughs> what a weird weird pick. Even during, like, playing this game, he's not the most important new character in this game. He's just kind of cool. He's got a gun for a hand. Uh, okay, last one, and then we're going to move on finally. We've been here a while, but I love it. Uh, Playtime Report is a fa- uh, really fun part of the show. But our last game is Dragon Ball Fighters from Wyatt. <laughs> um, this game is—it's getting updates still, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They're uh, the the last uh, like the last two fighters for season one. I mean, they're not calling it season one, but what's basically season one of the character pack um, should be coming out. I'd say probably. Like towards the end of this month or like early October. Do we know um, what they've they announced? One character. Uh, the first, the one that they've announced is Cooler. Okay. Um, and then uh, Android Seventeen is anticipated to be the la- the the last one because there was a leak a while ago uh, that has been a hundred percent right on every character. So it's basically a ninety percent certainty at this point that Android Seventeen will be the next character, which is interesting because he's. Uh, you can see him if you play Android 18. A lot of her moves, you'll he kind of shows up as like a mini assist. So it's interesting now that he'll be a full fledged character. So, um, but it's a fun game. I've had so much fun with it. It's the first fighting game I've really kind of dug into a lot, and it's kind of opened me up to playing basically every other fighting game that's out right now, whether it be Street Fighter, Tekken, uh, Blaze Blue Cross Tag. So I've been playing a lot of fighting games over the last few months too. Are you trying to get competitive? Uh, I actually I competed at Evo. Um, oh, in, that's so cool! Uh, that's cool. and uh, Blaze Blue. I I did well. I did uh, Street Fighter just because I, they were giving out like a, <clears throat> a special edition T shirt. Um, so I entered the bracket for that. 
didn't really practice a lot, so I kind of got bodied. Um, but I did play a lot of Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle, um, which is uh, it's a it's a tag team game, kind of like Marvel vs. Capcom, where it has different franchises. So it has Blaze Blue, Central Fiction, Under Night, and then the uh, the Ruby series, the RWBY from uh, Red Suit or uh, Rooster Chief. Um, so it's uh, it's a really fun game. So I competed in that one. I won one series and then lost the next two. But I won a series. I didn't go zero and two. So that's great. It was uh, it was a, it was a fun time. It was really fun. And then a couple of friends of mine they they competed in Smash. So uh, it was a it was a fun weekend. I uh, I used to get really into going to Smash Brothers tournaments. I played Melee in college, and okay. uh, that was so fun. But I just. Now that I'm not in a college setting where I can just look around and see people <laughs> playing a video game at any given point, yeah. it's so much more difficult for me to to find scenes. Maybe they just don't want me to be there, so they don't tell me about it specifically. <laughs> I would not be surprised about that. Um, but yeah, I, I love the idea of getting like not just into a game, but into a game's community and, and really playing yeah. along with that. Mm. It's so cool. With that, though... Let's jump into the Newsy Nibble. This uh, last week, I was, what is it, two days ago at the time of recording? Maybe I shouldn't say that and date the episode. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, that's fine. <laughs> Nintendo Direct happened. It was delayed uh, one extremely long week. Due to the tragedy in Hokkaido, Japan, there was an earthquake and then a tsunami, and that that is terrible. Uh, that that's really really awful. Thankfully, uh, the power in Hokkaido had gone up uh, in, in in time for Nintendo's a rescheduled direct. So if the if the uh, fear was that they wanted people in Hokkaido to see the direct, but they they couldn't figure out how to make it happen, they they did end up making it happen. Uh, so our, well, I don't want to say thoughts and prayers because of how memeified that has become, um, <laughs> but our, our feelings are definitely with the, uh, recipients of the tragedy in Hokkaido, Japan, and yeah. we hope that everything is being reconstructed, uh, quickly, safely, and painlessly. But definitely. in the direct itself, it opened with Luigi's Mansion 3. James, I was excited to hear your reaction to this. <laughs> oh my god, I think I screamed out loud when I saw it. <laughs> what a strong start, right? <laughs> yeah, and um, I mean, it really, well, for me anyway, it really was unexpected. Um, I was thinking about the fact that we'd only just talked about this. I'm not sure if it was in our um, season two finale or I think it was. Yeah, I think it was when we were talking about 3DS games um, and I was playing Dark Moon or Luigi's Mansion 2. And I think at the time I was saying how much I'd love to see a third game. So this was like music to my ears. I almost didn't need to see any other announcements in the direct. Yeah. I was we totally were specifically like talking about what kind of game we, uh, we wanted to see in the third game. Mm. And I was saying that... I would I would like to see a return to the one building structure, yeah, of Luigi's Mansion. So we're seeing like one big exploratory connected environment, yeah, uh, rather than the mission based structures in two. 
And you were saying that you kind of liked how things were divided. Well, it's in a hotel, with, which is one building, but has a bunch of different floors. I think yeah. we both got it. I think, like, <laughs> it managed to just work itself out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just a, it, it's, it looks like a direct um, combination of the first and second games. Um, and I mean, obviously, we saw a few tiny seconds of it, but, you know, it, it looks incredible. I mean, I know it's such a cliche to say this, but it's uh, it looks as close as they've gotten to, like, a, a full-on animated film at this point. It, it just looks amazing. <laughs> um, the one thing I'm interested about, though, which um, they didn't mention, is whether or not it will have any kind of multiplayer because I noticed that they're adding multiplayer to Luigi's Mansion on 3DS. Right, yeah. Uh, I think they mentioned that in this direct as well, which is interesting. Um, so I'm, I think it'd be a really cool game for multiplayer, especially with Switch, you know, like where you can just play tabletop mode or whatever. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited it's here or it's coming and I can't wait to see more. Wyatt, do you have a connection with Luigi's Mansion? I don't, you know, I remember when the game first came out for GameCube, uh, and for whatever reason, it just, I don't know if I didn't really see a lot of it, but it just never really grabbed my attention that much. Um, but I'm definitely interested in trying out this third one and I might go back and try and play. I don't know if I can get my hands on the, the GameCube one, but probably try out the, uh, the, the one for the 3DS and see how that is. But I certainly want to try this because it looks good. You know, the, the way that that Nintendo's been doing their animation for all of the games on the Switch, really, especially their first-party titles, have been just incredible. Uh, so it looks like this is going to be, you know, the best Luigi's Mansion product that that we'll have gotten so far. Yeah, I really hope so. I um, I remember at the time of the GameCube's launch, which coincided with the launch of Luigi's Mansion, it was a launch title, uh, I was so up on Mario 64 like just Super Mario 64 was such a great game for me and I I just loved it so much. So this looked like the sequel to Mario 64 and it didn't behave like Mario 64, so I was a little bummed out about it. But then once we we got Sunshine and I realized, "Oh, this is the sequel to Mario 64." Um <laughs> and then I went back to Luigi's Mansion, then I was like way 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 into it it might behoove you specifically to check out uh if you haven't played the first game the the 3ds remake of the first game is coming out soon um, oh okay cool. yeah. yeah i'll definitely check that out i i wonder whether one or two would be a better primer for three i guess we really don't know yet we don't know how it works but i am excited about that and this marks the second direct in a row uh just a fun fact that opened with luigi's mansion because the Smash Direct <laughs> in August also kind of opened with Luigi's Mansion, with Luigi exploring uh, Dracula's castle. Um, also, another fun fact that was a that was foreshadowing this because in the Simon Belmont trailer, Luigi has a new vacuum yeah. that's from three. Mm-hmm. It's it's not been in one or two. It's directly from three. It has the power to shoot plungers, which he's never done before. Like, that was all foreshadowing this announcement, uh, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, that was a whole month prior to when it should have shown up. Uh, after after Luigi's Mansion 3, there was a very limited showcase of 3DS software to come. Uh, man, the, the wheels are slowing down on the 3DS. 
Um, it, it really looks like we're near the end of that life cycle. We, we're getting a lot of ports. We're getting a lot of uh, remakes of of Wii and GameCube games. And uh, occasionally we'll get like a Yokai Watch thing, which is probably the biggest news that came out of this. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you is is this is the last Christmas for the 3DS? I I suspect. How long do you, into 2019 do you think this console will last? Oh, who knows? Um, I mean, Nintendo have said very vaguely. You know, they've said that they're intending to support it through to um, 2019, but who knows what's going to happen. It's definitely on life support and it's been on life support probably for the last, at least the last sort of 18 months, two years, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, it's interesting though, because, you know, last E3, they did unveil a new, that new 2DS model. Um, mm-hmm. So as, as recently as kind of end of last year, they were still launching new, 3ds 2ds hardware um i'm assuming at some point within the next year or so we'll we'll hear some sort of announcement from them about the future of the platform and you know when they're going to discontinue it i'm imagining that what's keeping the 3ds alive right now is that some projects are just so low budget Mm. that they can only be 3ds games i imagine that if they were changed to switch they would they would need more money, more effort, more time on it, and that's just not what the remake of Bowser's Inside Story was ever meant to have. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the the yeah. base like the user base for it is is massive, and they're still like if you actually look at their when they do their financial reports, they they're still making a ton of money from this thing. Um, so I think you're right that like they. It makes a lot of sense for them to take something that's relatively low cost, low budget, whether it's a port or something like that, put it out on the 3DS. You know, it hasn't cost them very much to make, but there's still a huge audience, um, you know, to buy those games. So yeah, it's kind of one of those things that they're keeping alive because it's still making money at the moment. Like, I'm wondering if the budget for some of these games aren't even $100,000, if they're not even, like, $50,000 in some cases. These are some low-budget games. Um, Yeah. And I think that's fine. I think that's okay. Um, And if they're not low-budget games, I think they're failing, which I think is economically all right because it sends a message to Nintendo, but it does kind of make me a little sad for all of the developers who are put on these lower budget things just kind of sent out sent out to die uh some of the more recent like big 3ds hits uh captain toad on the 3ds when that came out this summer uh, i believe it did around fifty thousand, which was considered fine when sushido uh striker the the whatever the sushi one when that mm-hmm. came out on 3DS, I, I, if I read it correctly, it sold 3,000 units. Oof. <laughs> that is a very low number of yes. units. Yes. And they're yeah. still putting, like, I mean, it's really five minutes of a 35-minute thing, so it's fine. But it's still, like, a five-minute thing that they had to edit and market and 
put in their own Nintendo Direct and associate their own brand mm-hmm. with. So I'm just I'm 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 excited to see how long that lasts, and I'm excited to see if the Switch just absorbs that market space or if they have a new portable dedicated console in the works. Mm. Here's a much bigger announcement: Final Fantasy. Um, so many Final Fantasy games were announced for Switch, like a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, basically all of the like main tentpole ones that have come out within the last like 20 years except for eight i don't think eight was on there yeah eight and 13 are missing but mm-hmm. we are getting seven nine ten ten two twelve um eleven was an mmo and 14 was an mmo so those don't make sense and 15 mm-hmm. in the form of 15 pocket edition are all coming to switch uh i never thought i would see this day i never thought final fantasy 7 would come to switch that's crazy to me that's a huge deal yeah that's a i'm huge excited because i've never i played 7 for a little bit but can never really finish it um same with 10 and 10 too like all of the like really big jrpgs i've always played them and i'll get either halfway or even almost to the end and then i just really run out of steam but i feel like maybe having it on the switch and being able to kind of sit on the couch or you know if i'm on a plane or if i'm you know going somewhere i can just have that on on a switch version and i feel like it'll be a really good console a really good setting to play those games finally yeah i think that's i think that's true um before this direct because of the delay of the direct a lot of announcements that were going to be part of it just kind of came out uh two of them were final fantasy games so we, we kind of assumed, oh, well, we know your Final Fantasy <laughs> announcement. But it turned out there were like eight or nine Final Fantasy games announced in this Direct, so we didn't. Uh, the the ones that we knew were 15 Pocket Edition and a remaster of Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, which was a GameCube game based on connecting your GameCube to uh, four different Game Boy Advances. Uh, it did not do well. And it was kind of a really weird game. This is a very strange and exciting remaster to get. I'm excited to see how it works. I don't know if I'm in. It, uh, it, it's a weird game. Do you guys play it? I don't know if it came out uh, in Australia, James. Uh, yeah, I think we did get it here, but I never... I, I And I think it was because of the whole Game Boy Advance thing, like... I, I never played yeah. it. Um, I wanted to I don't, give it I a I think try. like five people have played those games that require that to happen the way they were meant to happen. It's so yeah. it's so much money to buy four Game Boy Advances, four Link cables, and a game. Oh, is that what game that is? Yeah. Now that you say that, yeah. I remember. I remember a game that needed like four people to link together. Well, oh. this one did it, but then also uh, the Legend of Zelda: the... Four Swords Adventures did it as well. I remember well. that one too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay and that's a fun game to play that way um but at least in that game you were also able to play it just kind of on your own um it's a lot less fun i would argue without the intended game boy connections um but yeah that was a thing you could do i don't know how they're gonna recreate that in the modern age it's gonna be weird yeah yeah um do do either of you have a I Jane or Wyatt, you were just saying that you weren't particularly well versed in Final Fantasies, but uh but James, do you have a favorite Final Fantasy? 
Um, oh, probably, probably seven and twelve. Seven and twelve. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. Get it. And you're I getting think, them both. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that they like Final Fantasy VII has been, but at this point in time, it's it's been everywhere. Like it's been ported to everything. Um, mm-hmm. And they, I know that with the version that's coming to Switch will probably be the same version that came to PS4. So there'll be some slight enhancements to it, but it's the kind of game that um, because it's not like a, it's not really like a a remake or anything. It's just kind of a light, light touch remaster. Um, It's, it's the sort of game that I found a bit tricky to play now on a modern big TV but I think it will work perfectly on the Switch. And when I was watching this announcement, I was thinking these are all games that, you know, I know we keep saying it, but these are all games that will work really well in handheld mode. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think mm-hmm. they're perfectly suited for that. I, I would agree with that. Um, here is some other great news that came out of the Nintendo Direct. The Nintendo Switch online service uh, <laughs> is happening. That is the news. Uh, there was no new news about the online service. People wanted more information, I think, because they were under the assumption that it can't be all that there is. Because if that was all that there was, that would be a bad service. Um, Nintendo doing what Nintendo does best and giving you exactly the thing you didn't expect, which was exactly the thing they told you to expect. <laughs> the, the online service was word for word, not any different than what you thought it was. There was no in, new information. And uh, it is still not great. Uh, voice chat still needs to happen through a phone mm-hmm. app. Um, yeah. And there was... They illustrated I, this. That, I, it's like, it's 2018. Come on, Nintendo. Yeah. yeah. For real, though. They illustrated this by having Mario and other Mario characters play Splatoon against each other while using the voice chat to talk. And they had their phones floating in front of their face, which I would say is... And that's admitting the fact that holding your phone to voice chat while also playing the Nintendo Switch doesn't work unless you can defy gravity. Yeah, uh, unless you can somehow exactly. have it float in front of your face. Yeah. <laughs> and then they had then they had another person walk in and stand behind the couch while mm-hmm. you know, while they were playing. Like as if that is, is actually a good experience that people want to have. Like, or a feature. You, yeah. Yeah, a feature. Like, you know, you can imagine you're playing Destiny with a group of people. And some random person in your house walks over behind you and just starts talking. Oh, hi, everyone. Like, I'm sorry, that's not a good experience. I <laughs> no, don't want that to all. happen. These Luigi comes in and are. says, oh, you're playing Splatoon. What a good Splatoon move you did. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then Mario says, oh, I'm so glad I'm paying for this. I can hear Luigi <laughs> as part of it, too. That is, yeah. that is the fact that your audio bleeds into your microphone is not a feature of your online service nintendo the the fact the fact that background noise can be heard and transmitted over game chat is not a feature of your online service that Um, like brings me back to memories when i used to play 
like Gears of War, or Call of Duty, and you can hear other people's TV through the mic, so yeah. you hear all of their game sound, exactly. and like that's a terrible experience. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I mean like everyone's had that experience where like hey hey uh, can you can you go mid I just need to mom can you get the chicken nuggets yeah. <laughs> can you get the chicken nuggets out of the freezer yeah it's like it it sounds super great and it makes you seem super professional and everyone loves it and no one has ever been made fun of for it um, never never also uh, save data. <clears throat> is stored in the cloud which is great except not every game um i kind of actually get this it's still not like great or unavoidable they should have done better but for games like pokemon let's go pikachu and eevee you cannot use cloud storage because you could trade for pokemon the like economics of just resetting your save when your pokemon is on a different save file like i get it but you could store progress. Like, you could just have those stored as different save files. Mm-hmm. Like, your bank of Pokemon and your progress through the game shouldn't be linked together if one of them is causing problems for the other being backed up to the cloud storage. I cannot believe they didn't think about this. Um, yeah. They should just be segregated save files. Um Yeah. Every and I think part too, of this the is thing like with a the... little bit awful. Yeah. And like even with the saves too, the fact that your save is tied to you paying for the service. So if I stop paying for the service, I'll lose my cloud saves. Yeah. Like that, the fact that the these saves at all are tied to the service is still such a, it's a very Nintendo move, but it's still an infuriating one because it's like, I can, I can cloud save on a free iPhone game. Like why can't I cloud save for a Nintendo game, which is one of the biggest, you know, developers slash publishers on the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think the big, what they wanted to showcase as the big, hey, this is like a little bonus we're throwing in that you get to have uh, that other consoles aren't really doing would be the NES games that you get. There's a big library of NES games, um, all of which should cost, I'd argue, five cents. Uh, <laughs> let me know if I'm getting a little too, uh, just a little too grumpy. I mean, yeah, about this it. for for thirty year old games, like I mean that that some of them you can get. Like I have an NES Classic over here somewhere in my office that has most of these games on it already. Granted, I can't play it on the Switch, but like I have them in some sort of form I could put on my TV. Yeah, and if you don't connect your Switch to the internet to prove that you still have the online service at least once a week you cannot play the nes games oh jeez <laughs> yeah you, you 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 can't play your uh, nes games on the go if you haven't been online in a week nintendo so if you go on a two week vacation can't can't access internet well half of sorry. the time you get your nes games yeah <laughs> so does this mean that these nes games are and I didn't catch this in the presentation. Like, are you actually effectively streaming these games, or are you no. are you downloading them locally temporarily? Or no, you're because... you're full on downloading them. You just don't get okay. access to them if you haven't proven that you're still part of the online program. Uh, at least <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a week. like 
like PlayStation has a similar thing. Like if you buy a PlayStation game through like the PlayStation store and you're not connected to the internet, it won't let you play it because it has to verify your license through the internet. So like in, in a sense, it's not that different, I guess, than what you have on PlayStation. But for a game, for a console that's meant to be taken on the go, it just feels weird because a console... Mm. Like, it's meant to be played at home. You're meant to be in front of a TV or at your computer or whatever, you know, however you, you play it. But you're it's meant to be at home. But yeah. the whole thing of the Switch, they, they want you to be out. Like, all their commercials are, you know, you're at a party, you're on a train, you're on an airplane, whatever. So, they're telling you, like, hey, take this outside. But if you don't connect to the internet every week, you won't be able to play these free games that we're making you pay $20 for. Yeah, and... I mean, maybe it's a little bit of a big deal out of nothing here because you're probably going to connect to the internet once a week. But, I mean, like, what if you don't, right? Yeah. These, th- there is no option to buy the NES game. You can't just have the NES game. There is no way to maintain that you will have this game in 20 years. In fact, as soon as the online service dies for the Switch, like it'll probably do for the Wii U really soon and already has for the Wii, they will be gone. You just can't have them. The the there is no sense of preservation here. There's no sense of like game ownership. There's no sense of um. If you don't allow the people to spend money on games, like it's it's this weird thing where you'd think consumers spending money on games that is not consumer friendly, but it creates interesting opportunities like that uh localization of mother one that came out for the wii u the that the west had never gotten at that point um that was something that they found financially like a good idea because people could buy it and people were excited to spend money on that product when they're all just part of a streaming service like this the uh the people spending money on things aspect goes away and you won't have any new exciting product products like that i'm i'm afraid they just won't try with their retro game catalog anymore yeah because like that was one of the things because i i missed out i never i didn't buy a wii u so i missed out on that old generation so and like i got rid of my wii years ago so it's like now i don't have a way to play like a Wii game I missed or a Wii U game without buying the Wii U. But like, I was hoping that when the Switch came out, you know, they would do a virtual console because they had done it for both of the Wiis. And it seemed like that would be a good idea to just, you know, put these all up to be available to buy. Because that way, you know, I never played the Zelda, you know, Skyward Sword. Never played, um, didn't finish Twilight Princess and, you know, didn't play Galaxy 2 for Super Mario. So it's like, those are games I'd love to go back and play on the switch and because the switch is like a good console for playing retro old games because you can take it anywhere so it's just still very surprising to me that nintendo seemingly is just kind of giving up on the virtual console model and just going with this here we're going to give you a bunch of 30 year old games that you may or may not want to play yeah it's an issue um and then the the trailer for the online service ended with them saying, and there will be special offers. But we're not ready to talk about those yet. Like, come on! <laughs> give like it me comes something! Out in three days, it gives you me can't s- tell it, us what, one, one special offer. Just yeah. give us one. You don't need to tell me all the special offers that you'll ever have. <laughs> just tell me one. Yeah, just like, 
like is it because at this point it's like it could be like here's five percent off of like this neo geo classic game that you probably don't want to play or something you know it's like (laughs) they can't help uh, me worth an inch they 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 can't make (laughs) this service seem any better at all they even when they had something just like because i think i know what two of the special offers are already if you go to the website shows that you actually need to be a, a member of their online service in order to buy those NES controllers. So that is a special mm. offer. If they frame that $60 purchase for two NES controllers as a special offer, though, they will look bad. And they'll look <laughs> yes, bad yeah. because it's bad. <laughs> I was going to say, that's not really a special offer. <laughs> not a special offer, yeah, just kind of an offer. That's just a way, yeah, that's an offer that yeah. is trying to get you to give Nintendo $80 yeah. right off the bat. Yeah. The the other one I found on that website was a special shirt for your Inkling. Um, that if you have the online service, you can download this shirt. And in Katakana, it says the word online on it. And it is a white shirt otherwise. It's just a white shirt that says online. Uh, and you can have it. If you're, oh, it's man. a special offer. What a deal. Moving on. Damn, that sucks. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Game Freak <laughs> is working on a new IP called Town. Uh, it takes place entirely in one town. It looks really charming. Uh, and it's exciting to see Game Freak do things that aren't Pokemon, because that's rare. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of don't know how good this is going to be. I, I can't exactly tell, but... I like the look of it. I uh, I like the idea. Just an RPG taking place entirely in one singular town. Great. I'm in. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Yeah, I think the idea of it being in one town is cool. And I'm also interested to see, because, you know, there's rumors of the the next Pokemon Go being, or not Pokemon Go, but the next Pokemon main series title being kind of a more full-fledged RPG for the Switch. So right, yeah. I'll be interested to see how this one goes for them to say like hey can you do this kind of rpg type element for the switch and then you know if they can get a good foundation that can easily be transported over to to pokemon whenever that comes out yeah it looks like they'll have pokemon let's go which is a much more casual experience town which is Mm -hmm. an experimental thing and the eighth generation of pokemon coming out at the end of next year which should be just their traditional AAA RPG-ish thing. Mm-hmm. They'll have a lot of different experiences on home console in a very yeah. short amount of time, uh, which mm-hmm. is cool. They, they, uh, they. I, I mean, I would assume that they need some experience. They're not that big of a company for how big their products are. Um, mm-hmm. There, there were a few other incidental things here and there. There was a uh, remake uh, or remaster, I should say of Kata, Katamari Damacy. Uh, it's called Rerolled. Uh, that's exciting. I, I like the Katamari brand. There were a lot of other uh, incidental things, but then the direct ended, and there was a video of Isabel from Animal Crossing walking around her office, uh, complaining, half complaining, half saying, I love my job, about how hard her work is. Uh then she was complaining about the fact that the mayor was spending too much time camping and in smash brothers and then she got a letter asking her to be in smash brothers did you think this was a smash brothers trailer (laughs) 
I uh, as I, as it was unfolding, and it started, it started to go off course with Smash. I just remember thinking at that time, there is going to have to be an Animal Crossing announcement right after this because people are already like this second taking yeah. to Twitter to complain and to threaten <laughs> Nintendo. I'm like. This is such a cruel thing to do. You, you absolutely must announce Animal yeah. Crossing. <laughs> it's yeah, with a uh, with all of these surprise trailers they've done for for Smash Brothers. I mean, they love doing this, right? They they love. It looks like it's one thing, but it's actually this other thing. Yeah, um, it's usually been fine because the thing that they were teasing is equal to or less in value than that character appearing in, uh, appearing in Smash. Like the first trailer for this game for the for Smash Ultimate was with the Inklings and it looked like a Splatoon trailer. Yeah. And then the uh they were announced for Smash and that was just better cuz we already had a lot of Splatoon content. Um and then with with Ridley, it doesn't matter that that wasn't Metroid Prime 4 because Ridley in Smash is huge. And mm-hmm. Isabel yeah. in Smash is not huge. Isabel in Smash is <laughs> cool. I, I think yeah, she, like this is probably one yeah. of the the least exciting characters they've announced for Ultimate so far. Yeah, I like she, her. I'm, I'm glad she's in there, but it's yeah. it's definitely not like. Would you rather have Isabel in Smash or a new Animal Crossing? It's a hundred percent. I would want a new Animal Crossing. Don't even ask me that. Um, <laughs> and, and, and let's not forget all of the jilted Geno fans who are watching this. <laughs> yeah. Who are like, oh my god. <laughs> I mean that's a real thing. People, there were Gino yeah, fans. That's, you know, upset. Isabel, really? Where's Gino? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, uh, I mean, I don't want, I don't want to downplay the appearance of Isabel in Smash. That's awesome. I like it. Um, yeah, she's cool. not an Echo yeah. Fighter of Villager. She's a semi clone, so that's more on the level of like the differences in fighting styles between Fox and Falco, rather mm-hmm. than Peach and Daisy which are very yeah. similar. Uh, she's got a lot of differences from Villager, but basically built on the Villager format. Now, this ended, and Tom Nook was at a desk, leading me to think, oh, Tom Nook also, just putting like a bunch of Animal Crossing characters in. <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing at first, too. I was like, oh, we're getting a second character for, <laughs> for Smash? Yeah. He was watching the Isabel trailer on his computer, which I thought was a nice touch, and when it ended... He just got, he really slowly and sadly had to turn on the rest of the lights in his office after he had no reaction <laughs> to the trailer. And I think that's the only time we've seen a Nintendo character react to Nintendo announcements. And it was not, it was not Etika levels of <laughs> excitement. It was just kind of sad. Um, <laughs> and he said he's proud of Isabel for trying new things, which is nice. Um, but he needs to work on getting the town ready for when the mayor and isabel come back from camping and smashing and then the screen turns black and then it turns into an advertisement or just like a single panel advertisement with no video or anything it's just the logo for animal crossing 2019 um i would have liked to see something from this game I would have liked to see some, like, give me, what kind of Animal Crossing game is this, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That said, I mean, they had to do it. They couldn't They couldn't do what they did with Isabel yeah. without doing this. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for Animal Crossing. That was, to me, that was the biggest announcement, even though there were a lot of other really big announcements in this direct. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's huge. Yeah, I think because, like, at this point, we're almost two years into the cycle for the Switch. Yeah. And for there not to have been an Animal Crossing yet, because that's one of, you know, that's one of the kind of flagship products that they have. Um, so it's it's kind of a long time coming. The Wii U and, never yeah, got like one, it, yeah. Yeah, so I'm curious to see, like, what kind is it going to be? Um, and just kind of, like, how deep is this going to go? Because I think the, the Switch is a real... I mean, I, we keep kind of saying this, but, like, the Switch is a good console for Animal Crossing because it's one of those just I'm going to go like tend to my farm so it's a very yeah. kind of like mindless fun where you can just sit you know on your couch or if you're on a trip or whatever and just kind of you know mess around with your town uh, on the Switch yeah I, I think it's perfect yeah. because Animal Crossing games are usually the kind of game that like six days out of the week the only thing I can do in Animal Crossing takes about 15 minutes and then I, I have, like, a bigger Animal Crossing day where I can kind of reap those rewards of mm-hmm. at reacting yeah. to very small things throughout the week. Um, yeah, this is this is enormous. I Again, it's just, like, I hope there's no gimmick. I hope the gimmick is just, like, it's a, it's a little bit of bigger town, and we're working on making the online for this game matter more. Instead uh, that's, of... That's the bit... Yeah, sorry. No, yeah, no, go ahead. That's the bit I was thinking about the online, and then at first I thought, oh, you know, it'd be great to have something that's a bit more um, social and a bit more has more of an online focus. But then I thought about the idea of that the nightmare scenario of being in a town full of real people. They're all on their phones, and you can hear all of their pets and babies and. <laughs> everybody in the background (laughs) and it's just a giant mess yeah (laughs) i had to walk that back in my mind a little bit after thinking about it um but i agree with both of you like i for me this is the sort of game i'll probably play primarily if i'm traveling um i think it's absolutely perfect for that but i am hoping to see them i guess um shake up the formula a bit and you know introduce introduce a game that's um you know that's quite different or that's that's kind of evolved from the previous games i'm just i really just don't want it to be like but now they're on the moon or now we're gonna (laughs) now we're gonna change some weird aspect of the game that no one quite asked for and the, yeah with animal crossing it's just like the last real animal crossing game was in 2011 or 12 with new leaf mm. it's been mm. a long time so not only could you get away with just having it be a fairly traditional animal crossing i think people would prefer that to a certain extent yeah yeah mm-hmm. and i guess like this is a, probably a terrible example, but something that comes to mind for me is like, you know, the games always had this element of customizing your own house and uh, acquiring furniture and that sort of thing. It'd be really cool in a new Animal Crossing if they really deepened that a lot more. So you could almost, I'm, I'm thinking almost like The Sims, you know, you could actually build a house, 
um, you know, and, and do, and, and it becomes a much deeper system. Um, still this, you know, still that kind of core game without a really huge gimmick that throws it off course, but just mm-hmm. kind of, um, something that that's a little bit deeper and gives us new things to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of ways, um, animal crossing could evolve without, not, without getting too crazy. Um, mm. The game is very mundane to a very specific degree. It's designed to be mundane. So yeah. whenever I hear ideas for like, we can make it so much more exciting if we do this, I would, I would push mm. back on that a little bit. Say like, well, it's Animal Crossing. It's not, it's not yeah. going to be exciting. Let's, let's put that idea in the Luigi's Mansion or the Mario or whatever. Um, yeah. So what's the cream of the calm? Uh, we did this for Gamescom when this pun worked. And I'm going to maintain it, even though it doesn't anymore. What is the best <laughs> announcement from this Nintendo Direct to you? Um, well, for me personally, it's it's obviously Luigi's Mansion 3. Okay. But there are a couple of things that I think are kind of um, maybe under the radar a little bit, but I thought were really big. One is the fact that Civilization 6 is coming to Switch and... What's really interesting about this is if you look at any other civilization that came to any other console or iPad or whatever, they usually do like a, you know, civilization revolutions or they they do a version of the PC game that's usually a bit more kind of cartoony, a bit more simplistic, almost a bit more arcadey. Sure, Um, yeah. But the Civ 6 that's coming to Switch is the full PC game with all of the content and all of the the content packs. And not only that, but it actually allows you to play um, multiplayer on the same Switch. And I think that's massive because as far as I know, I was looking at this yesterday, they haven't announced this for any other console. Wow. Um, at, at the moment, this is only Switch. And I think Switch will be the first console ever to get a full, like a full-blooded PC version of Civilization. And I think that is absolutely massive news for the Switch. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not your cream the, to crumb. Uh, it's it's one of them. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to pick a couple. There's oh, that okay. one. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one, again, flies under the radar, but... There's a second streaming title coming to Switch in Japan, um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, I think that's really interesting too because they've just they've had Resident Evil Seven as a Japan only streaming game, and now they're releasing they're bringing Assassin's Creed Odyssey to Switch as well in Japan. So, but that's your cream of the calm. You like that so <laughs> much that's up there with Luigi's Mansion Three for you. I think it's notable, Mitchell. Yes. <laughs> you you love that in a country you don't live in, a game that you kind of like will be streamed to a system where it won't work that well. <laughs> well, gee, now... <laughs> no, I'm going to say Luigi's Mansion and Civ Six are my two picks, but I wanted to mention <laughs> Assassin's Creed. <laughs> it's okay, worth fair mentioning. Enough. It's worth mentioning. Sure. <laughs> Wyatt, what is your cream of the calm? Um, for me, it's the Final Fantasy ports. Um, I know okay. that they're just ports, 
But I feel like these are like Final Fantasies are kind of games that are just so ubiquitous um, in society that that them being on the Switch is is a is a pretty cool thing, and especially for me because I've never finished one of these. Um, I'm excited to kind of dig into them and really kind of uh, kind of get deep. Uh, but I think outside of just me personally, like generally, I think Luigi's Mansion is probably the biggest one because that's one that kind of came out of left field for a lot of people. It really does feel like a homecoming yeah. with Final Fantasy. Uh, yeah, in yeah. a way, despite the fact that they were over on Sony consoles, like way before I started caring about them. For me, it even even still, it feels like a homecoming. With these games coming out on Nintendo consoles. My cream of the com is Animal Crossing. It is a... I'm so excited. Uh, it's it's a huge big thing. Luigi's Mansion 3 and Final Fantasy 7 are both close. But, uh, well, you, you guys already talked about them, so it's not important. Animal Crossing, man, it's happening. It's finally happening. <laughs> and they introduced it in, like, the slowest, lamest way possible. But I... <laughs> it's, it's fine. I'm excited about it still. I Like, I don't, I don't care. Couldn't, couldn't bother me. But now that we know the creams of the, the, the various creams of the com, it's time to cosplay as the entire Luigi's Mansion at Hot Topic. <laughs> this is, of course, the section of the show where we talk about something. Uh, because we're going a little bit long, I think this might be a shorter hot topic, but Wyatt's up with Wyatt. Wyatt, you're here. Uh, I wanted to give a more formal introduction of you for our listeners who may not, uh, regularly read the site and have, uh, exposure to your articles. What do you do? Um, so, uh, outside of Super Jump, um, I'm a writer. I write about esports, uh, for a site called Rotowire. Uh, if you guys play fantasy football or any kind of fantasy sports, you're probably going to be familiar with uh, with Rotowire. Even if you're not, if you play fantasy football or fantasy sports on ESPN and you get your daily updates of who did something in practice or who got injured, those are usually written by people from Rotowire from the site that I write for. So um, I do the esports side, so I follow League of Legends, uh, Fortnite, uh, Counter Strike, Dota fighting games basically all the major kind of things that you can you can think of uh that's what i do so i watch all the tournaments write recaps uh write you know player notes do different kind of feature articles and stuff like that and i go to go to different events and talk to different players and teams and kind of get like an inside track of what goes on in the esports world is there anything that people are searching for more than fortnite right now is there anything beating fortnite not right now no Fortnite is uh, it's definitely the the tip top up there. Um, even still, like people kind of thought it would taper off a little bit, but it's still kind of dominating the conversation. Um, whether it be you know things that people want to see in video form, uh, articles that people want to read, like those are always kind of the most searched topics, and they still get the most views on Twitch. You know, so it's there. Uh, it's still running the game, and I think it's gonna. It's only gonna get bigger because. Epic just announced their fall skirmish series that's coming up soon. Uh, and then there's got the, the World Cup for Fortnite. So there's there's a lot of stuff going on for Fortnite still. I was always curious about how 
battle royales would fare in the esports scene because it just does seem like they are less specifically made for a turning tournament setting mm-hmm. but it seems to just not even matter it just doesn't yeah just i mean like i think down. it it matters to a certain extent because there is a right way and a wrong way to do it like there were certain formats that they did during the summer skirmish for Fortnite that were just super boring because if if you do a battle royale it can't just be like you get most points for for winning the game because then people just camp and turtle up and don't really fight and that's just boring to watch um which is what you see a lot in PUBG esports because it's mainly just they loot for 15 minutes and then there's about <clears throat> 5 to 10 minutes of action and it's just people standing on other sides of hills and other sides of mountains trying to get a better vantage point so uh Whereas with Fortnite, if you just say like, hey, you get one point for every kill, go kill everybody, then you see players get a lot more aggressive, and that's when it it becomes a lot more interesting to watch. Interesting. I didn't know that's what they were doing for tournaments for Fortnite. Yeah. So you attended E3 this year. Um, I did. We're a number of months away from E3 now, um, but I wanted to talk to you about what your favorite things that you saw there were, um, because... I, I've already done this with James, and we, we've already kind of gone through um, ours. But I, I feel like E3 still, um, those eggs haven't hatched yet. It's still relevant. Mm-hmm. What what oh, were your, your favorite things that you saw? Um, so, like, at E3, I spent the vast majority of my time playing Smash Ultimate. Um, I'll be honest. I think I played 13 or 14 times. Yeah, um, about, about so, the same. Yeah, so it was a lot. So I have a bunch of those pins um and i even did the the competitive side and got like one of the little towels and everything so um so that's where i did like the bulk of my kind of time but outside of that um jump force was really fun uh having all of those kind of like shonen jump characters in the same game was pretty uh pretty sweet um and then i tried out like it was just fun to finally get there and try out all these games because like i've watched e3 online or even before online like i watched it on g4 back in the day um for years so to finally kind of get there in person and really uh you know the lines were were fairly long on the last couple of days because once the general public was in and everything but uh but it was a fun experience overall like i'm just excited to finally kind of get to play some of those games in a home setting um after kind of having to stand and wait in line to play all of them yeah, that I, I I feel like people have a romanticized version of what E three looks like. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard, man. It's hard to like be yeah. there, and it's it's long days too. Because mm-hmm. like you get there, you know, like the the press time or whatever will be like the first couple of days. It was like two hours before it opens, so you're there from like eight a.m. to to seven to six or seven p.m. and you're standing the entire time because the lines are are super long to play everything so it's not as like glorious i think as people people imagine it it's just it's stuffed with people and you gotta wait for everything uh like it's a fun experience don't get me wrong but it's definitely it's very tiring yeah i I think people see it as like i could have played my favorite video game before it came out if i went to e3 that year and like, yeah, yeah you could have, but you'd have to have known it was going to be your favorite video game ahead of time because there's mm-hmm. so many so many games that you try out at E3 aren't good. Um, some of them are so yeah. unfinished still 
and mm-hmm. others have a huge marketing push that makes them look like the big thing but then you play as like oh i don't even think i liked that i don't even think that was good um, yeah it, and it's sweaty it's so sweaty that's oh, another God. big yeah. problem with e3 um, it's so sweaty <laughs> Uh, not first world problems. These are these are not the big, <laughs> yeah. The big issues. Uh, and I don't want to like seem. Uh, I, I I don't want to seem snooty because I do appreciate the fact <laughs> that I've been to E three before and others can't. So I of course yeah 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 but but so uh, but you want to just like because like sometimes when I tell people that I went to E three they're like oh my god like that's so amazing and I'm like. Yeah, like it's great. Don't get me wrong, but it's not, you know, it, it's not this fairy tale that I think a lot of people kind of see it. Yes, yeah. you can't because you can't do everything because, like, the like I never got to, I didn't get to play Kingdom Hearts because every time I got in, the line was like five hours long, or they would close the line. Like I think I tried to get in the last day. I walked in the door like. I was I got in maybe like three minutes after it opened because there was a line and they already cut off the line and you couldn't even get in to play the game. So, you know, so that's kind of something you run into. Um, but it's cool to kind of like you get to meet streamers like they had a couple meet and greets. So, you know, if you're a fan of somebody and you want to kind of see different streamers or just personalities like that's a fun time at E3 as well. But definitely you have to kind of take it with a with a fairly large grain of salt. Yeah, I uh I'm I'm just I just get sad for people that are spending exorbitant amounts of money to buy plane tickets to LA uh oh, and yeah. put themselves up in in rooms and then they they have to buy tickets to E3 itself because they're they're going in not for their job but just because they they want to do it it's always been the dream and mm-hmm. I mean like if you can do it if it's not going to break your bank if you can recover from that financially do it but like i i don't want to oversell it you know i I don't want it to seem like Like, i think if i had to pay for because you know i didn't have to pay for my ticket i didn't pay for a hotel because i live in la so i just drove every day but if i had to play for pay to get in and then pay for a hotel play for a flight i don't know if it would be worth it honestly yeah no yeah i uh i i spent a lot on just parking alone (laughs) like it's <laughs> it's it's rough. Uh, LA can eat you up a little bit if you stay in it for too long, um, not knowing your way around. Um, would you have our listeners? What would you recommend to our listeners uh, if they want to hear or read some more of your writing, specifically your writing on Super Jump? You got one article out there that you want people to check out? Um, yeah, check out my destiny. Uh, I have a preview up. I will be getting a review up. I'm probably going to write that it's tomorrow or Monday. Um, cause I wanted to give the game a little bit of time cause the raid didn't come out till yesterday and then they've made some changes to the game since the raid came out. Uh, so I kind of wanted to give that time to, to kind of settle a little bit. So definitely look out for that. Cause I've been the, the redemption story of destiny has been pretty, pretty fun. If you look at, I've, Everything I've written for for Destiny is on Super Jump so far. So I have something from back in October where the game was not that great. That was actually how James first found me. I wrote a Destiny article um, and he found it and was like, "Hey, I really like this. Can I put this on my site?" And I was like, "Sure." Uh, and then now we're here. So you can kind of see the trajectory that yeah, it's Destiny, all Destiny has based. gone. It's Destiny all the um, way down. 
yeah so it's uh it's it's been quite it's been crazy to watch like i didn't think that we'd get to this point where i'd be playing destiny a lot again but but here we are so uh so yeah that's kind of like my main that's been my main beat over the last few months uh, i definitely want to get into writing some other stuff but destiny just for some reason it just keeps pulling me back we uh we usually like to put these episodes out on Wednesday, so I believe by the time this episode goes up, that article of yours, if you put it, yeah, out it on, should. On yeah, Monday, I'll definitely have it up by Wednesday for sure. I mean, don't rush for the podcast. Uh, but... No, no, no. But I, I've been meaning to. I've been wanting to write it because I got I got so much stuff in my head. I got to get it all out. <laughs> great, um, great, great. So yeah, it'll definitely be out by the time this goes up. So check that out. That's Wyatt Donigan again on uh, Medium and Super Jump. Thank you so much for listening to the show. At this point in the show, we'll usually uh, read out our listener write-ins, but the majority of the listener write-ins we got this time, um, this is not a problem, but we got a number of people writing in about the uh, about potentially co-hosting an episode of this show. Thank you so much for your interest uh, and writing in. We It means a lot. I'm, I'm glad to have gotten... Um, multiple requests on that uh we're continuing to assess our options as we move forward into season three and we'll we'll see what we'll be doing um i i I can't say for sure what the show is definitely gonna look like um but yeah and uh if if you haven't had the opportunity to write in about that and you're still interested in about that that's again podcast at superjumpmagazine.com that can be also, just a question you want to have read on the show or a comment you want to just send to us about the show or advice on how to make the show better um, or just a mean, mean insult you can give me for being like <laughs> Mitchell Wolf. He sounds fat. Like, if you want to really hurt my feelings, again, that's all podcast at superjumpmagazine.com. But now it's time for the after school activities. So I'm going to start this week. Uh, the after-school activities are things that we recommend our listeners do between episodes because, well, in the past, episodes came out every two weeks. I want to do an episode every week for season three. We'll see how it goes. I have a feeling it might be harder to do than I'm imagining it in my head, but I'd like to see you again next week at this time. Uh, but before that, you can watch the YouTube video Playing Past Your Mistakes by, by uh, Mark Brown, where he investigates the idea of save scumming, just repeated, uh, repeatedly accessing an old save to try to get around the fact that you've been... Uh, like something bad happened to, an, to you in a video game, like in an RPG, if you got arrested for doing something and you were thrown in jail play past that um and it's also a lot of game design ideas of what developers can do uh to enforce players playing past their mistakes rather than uh just encouraging save scumming so that's a great video uh james what do you have so i've got a video by an awesome little youtube channel called snes drunk um, they do, they, they sometimes profile specific SNES games. Um, and sometimes they'll kind of talk about a whole genre. Um, but this video is about Turtles in Time. It's, it's a, uh, Ninja Turtles arcade game that was ported over to the SNES 
back in the early 90s. It's one of my favorite SNES games. It's a game that I, I want to see at some stage, um, you know, on the Switch. Maybe as part of the online service, who knows? Um, but this video is all about that game. And, and really, it just talks about, you know, why it was so notable and so special. It's a great nostalgia trip if you've played the game before. And it kind of talks about... Um, there have been a few other attempts more recently to kind of almost remake this game or remake this experience that haven't worked out very well. So it kind of touches on those as well. Um, it's just a, just a short little one, but really interesting. That sounds really cool. I, uh, I have a lot of memories playing this game when I was a kid. Yeah, it's I, so cool. Yeah. Uh, Wyatt, what is your after-school activity? Uh, so mine is going to be the story of evil part one. So uh, the score esports put out this really cool kind of like documentary behind the scenes look uh, at Evo, which is the evolution series. It's the biggest fighting game tournament of the year. Uh, it happened about a month ago, but it's definitely, it's a fun kind of look back to just see where this, uh, how this little tournament has grown from this super small, just like little Bay area thing they did up in, in NorCal uh, about 20 years ago and now it's grown to this big tournament where people come from all over the world to play uh, and you can kind of just see the the culture of the fighting game community and how it's just so competitive driven and everyone is just it's competitive but everybody is also like a family they all kind of protect their own so it's a cool kind of look back just to see how it's gone from this little humble beginning to this huge tournament that's that sells out the uh, mandalay bay event center year after year that sounds really cool I'll, I'll yeah, have to check that awesome. out. So if you like the episode, if you like me, if you like James or Wyatt or Super Jump Magazine or literally anything about the whole experience, please subscribe to us on any podcatcher that you use to listen to podcasts and review us on iTunes or tell a friend to, to check us out as well. We don't um, advertise too much, so word of mouth is so super important and it would mean a lot to us. Um, anything you can do to just kind of spread the word or boost our signal or anything at all would be so greatly appreciated. But until next time, thanks for listening and stay super!